On this week's episode, we are joined by the founders of the Veteran Outdoor Alliance. These combat veteran U.S. Marines have done everything under the sun, from scuba diving shipwrecks, to sledding with Arctic dogs, to spending six months hiking the PCT in the Pacific Northwest. So stay tuned for the whole episode for more cool stories like this. There's some crazy knuckleheads. One of them bought a boat, and we like convinced the college while we're on the GI Bill to write us independent study program so that we could stay on the GI Bill while we sailed the Caribbean. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. Joining us today, Double Trouble. We got both gentlemen here named Josh. One, Joshua Bridger. He was in my squad for my second deployment to Iraq. And then uh, last but not least, Josh Forsyth, who was uh, in our company when we made that deployment to Iraq. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? Outstanding, as First Sergeant used to say. How are you? <laughs> Motivate, <laughs> dedicate. They're uh, here to talk about uh, one of the uh, the super cool initiatives that they have going on, the Veteran Outdoor Alliance, and um, it's an absolutely fantastic organization. And we'll, we'll we get the pleasure of learning more about that today. But uh, before that, I want to do some character development and give you more reason to uh, to emotionally invest into their story. So, uh, Mr. Bridger, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you've been up to since we stopped slaying bodies for our beloved Corps. When I got out, I became a scuba diving instructor for a little while in the Florida Keys. Um, I did the security contracting thing for a little bit. Had the opportunity to hike the Appalachian Trail, which was awesome, uh, which kind of ties into our veteran outdoor mission here. Um, I currently work as a cybersecurity professional, um, also a member of a local search and rescue team that I'm heavily active in that for the sheriff's offices. Well, fantastic. Uh, so Mr. Forsyth, also known by his moniker of Dragonflame69, uh, he's very adamant in the, pre, uh, the pre-show the brief that he is referred to as that. So uh, Mr. Dragonflame69, what have you been up to since we got out? Just being wild. Moved down to the Keys, went to school for scuba diving, studied marine biology. Uh, got into the diving world after that, working in scuba diving and uh, got an opportunity to go sailing. I uh, went sailing around a good majority of the Caribbean and kind of got really fascinated with clouds and chatted it up with my friends about how to explore clouds and thought parachutes were the best way to do that. So I started, I picked up like skydiving as like a hobby for a while and eventually got hired at a company to pack parachutes, got the jumper free, ended up like working as a cameraman for a while and traveling around and uh, hurt myself skydiving. Went back to scuba diving again and um, worked a bunch of odd jobs in between and stuff, wandering around. So yeah. it seems like one of the most common things for veterans to do when they get out is to find some sort of uh, adrenaline-pumping hobby, which uh, if, if you ask anybody what their perception of scuba diving would be, you'd think it would be you know, tranquil and peaceful. And that it is for the majority of the time. But every once in a while, you get something with uh, wrong with your regulator or your gear gets caught on something. And like you get that turkey baster of adrenaline through your arm. And you're yeah. like, all right, yeah. this is it. I'm about to die 11 stories under the surface of, of the water. <laughs> yeah, it smartens you up sometimes. What is your favorite site to dive? I've done most of my diving in, in the Keys. And uh, the Vandenberg is like a staple here. It's a huge ship. 
you know, it's in the 150 feet of water. The deck is sitting at 95 feet. The structure of the ship, you know, extends up to like 60, 70 feet underwater. Oh, wow. It's a huge boat. Like you could, you could dive this thing for years and not explore it fully, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's really cool. I, I like, I like shallow reef dives. Though. I'm, I'm big into nature and the animals and stuff like that. I like looking at them. So, uh, Luki is a, is a big one for me and I fortunately get to work there. So I get to go there almost every single day. Uh, B-Ridge, uh, what about you? What, do you have a favorite dive site or a least favorite one? <laughs> yeah, I definitely have a least favorite one. I'm glad that you went there because that's where I was going to go. Uh, <laughs> when I learned how to scuba dive, uh, I'm from Buffalo, New York originally, and I learned how to scuba dive early on in high school. And the only larger body of water to perform open water diving is the Great Lakes. And so my open water dives for my paddy, uh, or maybe I think it was Nawi at the time that I had open water basic dive cert was uh, in Lake Erie and it was cold and it was dark and it was visibility that was like maybe to your elbow and um, it was awful. And then, so, you know, when I went down to the keys and kind of continued to pursue, pursue scuba diving, definitely got very spoiled with um, almost unlimited visibility and yeah. beautiful reef and tropical animals and fishies big difference yeah i i went in the reverse because i went down to uh roatan uh, in honduras to to learn how to scuba dive with uh, uh warfighter scuba and in some of the best scuba diving in the world and every place that i've been since there has not measured up uh, a lot of freshwater <laughs> diving yeah. is miserable in comparison yeah you're spoiled now yeah Freshwater yeah, diving is I, just miserable. You know, you have yeah. to have like these five mil suits on. You're in some quarry. Like you said, the, the, the visibility is about as far as out as you could reach. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Freshwater diving is like, yeah, no visibility, cold, dark. Maybe there's some abandoned vehicles in your fresh body of water. Maybe there's uh, some crime scene material in your body of water. Who knows? But it's definitely Very likely. doesn't compare to tropics. <laughs> The crime scene is uh, is funny that you mentioned that. I don't want to have to do the paperwork on this man. <laughs> like Bridger and I used to do the the tactical site exploitation and sensitive site exploitation. So it's like you so much as find like a fucking like a seven six two casing, and it was like four pages of paperwork and six hours worth of convoys. <laughs> yep. We're just gonna kick that back under the <laughs> washing machine. Yeah, we only only, uh, only a, a little bit of of HME, only only like one one five five shell. Like you can keep that, you know. That's that's for home right. defense. It was the perfect <laughs> amount to not have to have us go anywhere else and ask any more questions. <laughs> to the point where, like, bro, like I don't want to send you to prison. Can you just like sweep like to throw this in a ditch somewhere? <laughs> yep. Yep. Be like, all right, I won't arrest you if you promise only to use this on first platoon. <laughs> Oh damn! <laughs> damn, I think good times, man. That's good times. I mean, I know the deployment that you had before our first deployment. There was it was definitely different. And like, I, I, how long did you stay in for? Twelve years, about right. About that, yeah. About twelve. So there must be a lot of difference just in between the timelines and the different locations of how things worked. Because the difference between our first deployment and our second deployment were staggering, just with with location. Um, what we were allowed to do, leadership, culture. Flight suits, Flight suits were nice. Yeah, suits <laughs> <were cool. laughs> the one benefit. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is weird how much it um, changes from, from place to place, unit to unit, you know, location to location. Your unit SOPs generally remain the same. You know, you, you change some things here and there, but what they really don't prepare you for is in my opinion, and even uh, bigger contrast and differences between being in the military and then finding yourself as a civilian. And so a lot of veterans have come together to, to form communities, to you know, rekindle some of that camaraderie, uh, to bring um, fellow service members together to kind of share in activities and, and, um, and events that uh, like-minded individuals would enjoy. So that way, you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on each other and we're making sure that we're having healthy, fulfilling, and productive lives, particularly when it comes to mental health. And that's exactly what, uh, what you guys did with uh, Veteran Outdoor Alliance. And so if you don't mind me asking, like, how the hell did you come up with that idea? It definitely started with us, as in uh, Forsyth and I here. We, we have kept up, um, you know, since the Marine Corps. We have had a lot of similar outlooks, experiences, um, philosophies, and uh, trying to come to terms with our military service, um, everything that it entailed and, uh, trying to find our, our right fit, um, back in the civilian world, which is, um, obviously not unique to us at all. It's a very common experience for anybody who served and, um, eventually makes a transition back. Um, I think a lot of what we were trying to do, uh, when we first put our heads together was, um, try to think about what we like, what has helped us, what we found beneficial from our own transition. Um, yeah. and trying to create a framework to help promote and facilitate access to those things for other veterans. Um, so a, a lot of that has come from these outdoor experiences. Um, so like um, myself, for example, I had the opportunity to do Outward Bounds uh, veteran programs. They have really fantastic programs. I would highly recommend them to any veterans uh, if they're looking for um, a program to participate in. They had this epic dog sledding expedition that I got to do in the Boundary Waters area of Minnesota. Uh, it was like negative 40 degrees at night. We had those oh, crazy God. Arctic boots um, that are just gigantic rubber white. Uh, we slept uh, under the stars every night out on the ice and giant seven layer sleeping bags. Um, <laughs> and we got to I'm do so jealous. I just, I just thought so fucking jealous of that. You should go. Continue. It's available to yeah, you. I too. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i mean that that experience was really really cool it was a it was uh outstanding to be back with a bunch of other veterans we immediately clicked into a squad on like day one when we were there everybody was locked on hey you get the firewood you're gonna make the fire you're gonna take care of the dogs you move the gear um getting back into that environment uh with the you know the camaraderie of being with people who understand your experiences um, was really yeah. cool. So um, after that, uh, I, I took on another experience because I, I wanted a little bit more nature. I think um, I got a little taste of it at that point, and I wanted. You some didn't more. have enough with an entire career in the infantry. You weren't sick of Mother Nature. <laughs> no, which is something that we actually hear a lot. Is is people from the combat arms backgrounds that are like, "No, I'm good. Never again." You want me to do what? You guys are going to hike up a mountain? No, thanks. Let's hang out here. Yeah, I've I've been fortunate enough to be able to hike a few mountains and uh, to to do a few cool things. 
uh, since I've gotten out. And I gotta, I gotta tell anybody out there who's listening, there's a huge difference between going to the field as a grunt or being in the military and going into the field under your own accord with your own equipment, your own schedule, you know, cause we all have this idea. It's like, okay, like we're going to the Sierra Nevadas, a beautiful piece of real estate uh, up there in Bridgeport. But when you're in the Marine Corps, it sucks, right? You have inadequate gear. You got to carry everything. You got to carry all this extra stuff, you know, body armor, weapons, ammunition, stuff like that. You're going at their pace. You have some motivated first sergeant who's just, you know, does whatever steroids you can find to keep running 18 minute, three miles at, yeah, at the age of 40. All the shame. Yeah. And so you have this guy who his entire job is just to scream at you. And, you know, you, you got firewatch, you got to do operations, you have MREs, it's miserable, can't be on your phone, like you can't take pictures without getting fussed at. And so like going, going back somewhere and doing it not as a Marine, night and day experience, so much better. Yeah, it's almost like reclaiming the outdoors for yourself in a non-traumatic way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'll let, I'll let Forsyth talk about his uh, initial experiences and stuff as well and how we were starting out. Like right when COVID started out, we were like, yeah, we should start an outdoor nonprofit. It's pretty much how the yeah. start went. Right when COVID started, uh, AJ and I um, were thinking of some stuff to do. Like, because, you know, he and I are, are, are expeditious fellows and I'm a bit of an outdoor cat. And I was like, man, I'm so cooped up. Like, I can't travel anywhere. Like, I, you know, I it, it sucks. It's not good for my mental health. And so I was trying to find alternative methods to, uh, to be able to get out of the house. And uh, I saw that there was this island for rent on Airbnb. I paid $25 and I got an island that was maybe about an acre big. And it was in the middle of the Rappahannock <laughs> River. And so AJ and I loaded up our, our gear. We got a, an inflatable kayak. And um, we we set out in this kayak to, to pedal out to this island. And it wasn't more than like maybe 100 yards of a paddle. It wasn't anything righteous or anything. But here's the thing. If you haven't paddled anywhere in a while, you forget how fucking long it takes. So when we first got in, he started blasting Pirates of the Caribbean on his like uh, portable speaker. And then we're like maybe 20 feet away from the edge of, of the, the river bank because of the current by the time it ended. And so he had to like go back and like hit it on, on repeat. But by that point, the boat starts spinning because I'm paddling on one side and he didn't tell me to stop. And so now we're flipped around and it took fucking 10 times longer to get there than we thought. We finally get to shore. We're out of breath, uh, and, but we made it, and we were happy. And we set up our tents, and uh, you know, we we made our little jet boil coffees, and uh, you know, had our own food that were better than our and better than MREs. Slept out um, uh, under the stars, and it was absolutely amazing. And so, all in all, I think we spent like ten times more on the food and, and coffee than we did on the actual island uh, itself. <laughs> So no, you're you're absolutely right. Particularly during the start of COVID, it's like everybody was just kind of looking around, like you know what 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 the hell is there to do? Yeah, it was weird. Um, I don't. I think we kind of started up right before everything kicked off, so we we're like ready to get started, and then COVID kind of hit, and then we were kind of like, oh, nobody really wants to get together. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of weird, and. Um, so like we did something like we ran like a virtual 5k, um, a few things like that, you know, it's, uh, it was in Florida, things were pretty open pretty quick. And like after a couple months, it was just like, yeah, 
full on. And so people from all over the country were visiting Florida. So it's been really normal for me the whole time, but it was also still kind of weird. Uh, so, uh, I kicked off and like did a bike trip. We like ran a fundraiser. I did the East coast greenway from uh, Key West to Calais, Maine, which is on the Canadian border. It's like, uh, yeah. And that, that really is like kind of a, the initial gen Genesis story is yeah. we had our heads together. We wanted to do something. We wanted to form a nonprofit. We wanted to raise money to help veterans to go have, uh, you know, these nature experiences similar to what we've had. And Forsyth was already like, He's he's kind of like a modern day Forrest Gump. Um, you you don't really realize it yet, but he's uh, decides uh, he's through hike the PCT, which is where you hike from Mexico to Canada on the west coast. Um, and then after that, he's just like, yeah, I think I'm gonna just bike the entire east coast. It's like, what do you what do you mean you're gonna bike the entire east coast? Yeah, I'm just gonna start in Key West and I'm gonna ride my bike all the way up the east coast to Canada. Um, which is called, it's called the East Coast Greenway. And uh, he ended up, I'm going to, I'm going to brag for him. He ended up breaking the speed record for this oh, East wow. Coast Greenway without even trying. He didn't know that there was a record. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's that was weird. all amid COVID. So um, nobody really even wanted to talk to him or touch him or be around him because everybody's terrified of COVID. So yeah, uh, right. cool adventure for him. Not a great fundraising opportunity <laughs> because yeah, of fair enough. terror. We did it. We did all right. We did all right. Yeah, could have done oh, better. Wait, I, I I spent more than we raised. Um, yeah, like out of pocket, just doing a little fun. bike trip. I had a great time. It was uh, it was really it was a great experience, man. It was really cool, and I lost like forty pounds. <laughs> like, I was in incredible shape after that. So, right on. So, um, if you had to summarize. Um, in, in, a, in a few sentences, what is kind of like the, how does Veteran Outdoor Alliance help veterans? Because I, I see that you have a, a lot of resources on your website, a lot of different organizations and a lot of different locations. So if you had to summarize it and boil it down uh, to kind of, I guess you say like a mission statement, uh, what would you say? Uh, uh, my mission statement is empowering veterans through the outdoors. Um, what that comes out into practice is trying to provide as much information, resources, um, and funding for veterans to get them out to all these awesome outdoor programs. Um, yeah, like like you said, there's a ton of them. I mean, you and I are, are both uh, experienced with them. Warfighter Scuba is awesome. They have a really good reputation. Um, a lot of veterans don't know where to find these. They have never heard of them before. So we're also trying to consolidate all that information on our website. Um, mm. and kind of build partnerships with other organizations so we can create local chapters of veterans in the local community and give them all the resources and point them in the right direction. Um, we also do some trips for ourselves. Uh, we do scuba training. Uh, we do some mountain stuff out here, climbing, um, a little bit of mountaineering and hiking. Uh, that, about, that about sums it up. Fantastic. Uh, is there a, uh, I, I know it's very regional specific, but is there a specific program that you are really excited about? Yeah, we're getting ready to kick off uh, on the 4th of July. Um, some diving training. I can pass it over to Forsyth for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just popped out for a second and came back. 
But um, yeah, and 4th of July we were planning on, we got some people set up to do open water dive training and stuff like that. We've uh, yeah, done, went out the Keys 100 Ultra Marathon twice, raising money for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was super fun. Um, but uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do dive training then. We've got some people that are already certified. They're going to come down and just hang out with the group and dive with us. And uh, we might be able to push people on, maybe go do a shipwreck or something like that. I was hoping at least the guys that are experienced are going to go out on one of the last days and go dive to Vandenberg. Fantastic. And so uh, we, we essentially have two target audience uh, when we're well, I guess three target audience, if you will, we're reaching out to this. Uh, so veterans who want to participate, they can go to veteranoutdooralliance.org and check out the, all the information that's there. They can um, also check out your social media uh, that is linked through there. So they can also find it. Um, and so that's, that's how they, they can take care of themselves there. Um, the website veteran outdoor Alliance is the handle on Instagram as well. And so that's them. And so now the other half of it is people who want to donate. So there's also um, the ability to donate on your website. And you can kind of specifically see like where everything's going. You guys have a great reputation for transparency and making sure that like, you know, everything is uh, appropriated um, in the, the correct ways and stuff. And so then the last category, I guess you could say, would be people who have some sort of outdoor program with a good reputation that they have a similar mission. Uh, say, you know, they, they want to, you know, become an affiliate or they want to also offer their services, um, and have you guys help provide the information to, uh, your, your subscribers. So how can they get in, uh, get in contact with you to do that? Yeah. I mean, uh, they can reach out to us, um, on Instagram. That's, uh, that's awesome. Um, we also, you can reach out, uh, info at veteran outdoor alliance.org. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're veterans and you want to connect or if you're other organizations or other people that might want to, uh, try to give us some support, um, yeah, feel free to reach out. Uh, we want to, we love this stuff. This is, this is what we do. This is not something that we're doing, um, to make ourselves rich or try to, you know, capitalize off of it. We're already doing these things. We're already scuba diving. We're already hiking mountains. We know these things work. We know the benefits, uh, and we're trying to bring as many veterans along with us as we can. So, um, any way that anybody wants to get involved, uh, feel free to reach out. And as a um, as a nonprofit organization, you guys um, have the mission of you know putting veterans first. And uh, with that, uh, oftentimes veterans uh, who are helping other veterans, you know they 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 put a lot into what they're doing, and sometimes they forget to fill themselves back up. And granted, you guys are lucky that you know you can go out and do these amazing activities with your philanthropic endeavors. Uh, but you know, when you're trying to make sure everyone else is having a good time and everyone else is safe and everyone else is, you know, being able to have a, a good experience that can be a little taxing. So I'm, I'm going to ask you each three questions. Uh, one, what was the best trip that you've ever done in your life? Two, what trip would you take if, uh, money wasn't a factor, you could plan out, uh, any sort of uh, trip and, and budget wasn't a consideration. And then three, is there any sort of place that you would want to dive, scuba dive, um, skydive, hike, or anything like that, that if you could, if things like, you know, the law or terrorists or anything weren't, uh, weren't a consideration? 
Mr. Forsyth. Okay, can you run a question one by me one more time? Yeah, question one. What's the best trip you've ever been on? Where'd you go and what'd you do? Okay, I, I would say that would be uh, hiking the PCT for me. Um, I think that was the first time like I gave myself personally a lot of time alone uh, in the wilderness. Uh, we were with, uh, I went with the Warrior Expeditions. I was on the recommendation bridger who did the Appalachian Trail for them and um it was just six months of just like being by yourself in the woods man and you just get <laughs> you get to know yourself when you're alone you know and, like you get moods or like you make up stories in your head you get upset or angry and you just kind of realize it's it's all internal yeah you know? it's like a deployment just, for yourself you know for sure six months oh yeah Instead of deploying for the military, take a deployment for yourself. Go out and uh, hike in oh, one wow. of these long distance trails. Yeah, that's Just a great you, way to your describe own time. it. For sure. That's a great that's a great way to describe it. It's a deployment for yourself. <laughs> um, but man, that was great. Like when I was disappointed when I was done. I just I just wanted to keep going. I almost wanted to just turn around and walk back, but it was snowing really hard, so I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done Fair. with this wilderness. And I, I also had lost a ton of weight on that trail, so but that was great. And uh, Fair. Uh, anybody that thinks that you can't walk across the country, it's fucking stupid easy. You just get up and you walk every day as far as you want until you're done. It's, nah, it just takes a little, six months is not a long time. People go to community college for longer than that. And it's a total waste of time. It's so, <laughs> easy for us when we're used to carrying hundreds of yeah. pounds a year. And then you're like, uh, wait, yeah, 30 for, pounds? That's it? Yeah. For the, for the most part, my like observation of civilians during the experience was that they, they needed to find a group of friends to help them finish. They needed a, a tramily, I believe is what they called it. Like oh. a, trail, a trail family motivation and uh, right and i was like i'm actually here to be left alone and just <laughs> uh, yeah like the the wilderness thing wasn't a trouble that was easy it was just like you know going on a little hike every day and it was like on a leisurely you know people, we go on humps in the marine corps we're just tortured to death hiking and uh, there you can walk at whatever pace you want, take breaks and eat snacks and have fun and walk as far as you want every day. You can only walk as far as you can every day anyway. Yeah. So like the worst thing you could do is try to make a plan or a schedule. So it was, it was very relaxing after a while to just like, just do it. And, you know, it's very daunting at first with the amount of mileage you have to do. And you can't think about it in that way. You just go day to day. And after a while, it's like you're just, you know, tearing miles up, and you can, you can't even believe you walked fifteen hundred miles already or two thousand oh. miles, or and you're like, oh man, I'm almost done now. Oh man, you start then you start getting kind of bummed out. You're like, oh, man, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know if I really want to say I slow down. Were there places the along the way? I'm sorry. Were there places along the way that you were able to stop to like get provisions and stuff? Oh yeah, about about every week, about once a week, you're 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 hiking for about a week on the PCT, and then getting out. I think on the AT, it has in a, a, some places more frequent stops, maybe two or three days in between small towns. But they're all small towns. You know, it's not like you're walking into a Walmart every two or three days or something. So, if someone wanted to do that, how much would you say that they had to um, that they would have to allocate budget wise to be able to uh, afford the provisions 
because you know one of the biggest you know, factors that I would say of taking six months off to go to the woods is that like I need to make money to pay my bills. For and sure. So if I'm not walking, like how much do I have to save? If, if I'm not working, how much do I need to save to be able to not starve on the trail? If you're a veteran, quit your job, sell your house, and contact Warrior Expeditions. Ask Sean Gobin to hook you up. (laughs) That that guy's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, do you have like a an estimate or a figure that you can kind of give people like a ballpark? Um, it's it's hard to say. It depends on like what you want. Um, if you do it real minimal, I would say like after you buy gear and you get done, you're, you're probably looking at. Seven to ten grand. Bridger, so I'll ask you this question. Uh, what was the best trip you've ever been on? Yeah, I'm going to have to to copy Forsyth's answer. The best trip I've been on was uh, doing the thru-hike for the Appalachian Trail. Um, I did that in 2016. It was exactly what I needed in my life at that time. It's kind of uh, definitely was feeling a bit directionless, not really sure where to go, um, what I wanted to do, where I wanted, where I wanted to live, what I wanted to do professionally, any of those sort of things. And, uh, so yeah, getting hooked up from this awesome organization, uh, Forsyth mentioned is warrior expeditions. It's run by Sean Gobin, who's a Marine Corps veteran himself. Um, they take a lot of the thoughts, uh, away from you. Any other concerns about logistics and everything? Like you said, uh, if you're, if you're going to self fund something like this, you're looking at maybe, yeah, somewhere between five and 10 grand for a six-month trip um didn't have to worry about that they gave us all the gear they help us with transportation they provide logistical stops for you along the way um so it really just freed up my mind to focus on myself uh for six months and hike from georgia to maine right on so now if you could do a trip where um money was no object and uh you you can make it as lavish or as long or um, as as fancy as you want, what what would you do? I really want to go to New Zealand personally. That's kind of my bucket list item. Uh, and, and rent a van. Uh, I know there's, there's something that you could do. Um, New Zealand is kind of like an outdoor mecca with access to the water and the mountains. Um, I'd love to just just uh, chill out, hang out in a van, drive around, go mountain climbing, uh, go scuba diving, relax. I would just take have all six months and do that. Yeah, just have all your gear in the, the 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 back of the van and just go do everything. Yeah, most of my fantasies are in, involve minimalism, where it's just like uh, get rid of this house, get rid of this job, get rid of uh, all these concerns, and just yeah, live out of a van, live out of a pack. Um, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, have your uh, your parachute, your uh, your your buoyancy uh, compensating device. And yep. your uh, your rucksack just in the back of a van, and just go hike, fall, and 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 swim everywhere. Yeah, relax, have a campfire, make yeah. some good food, be on your own schedule. Well, Dragonflame sixty nine, where would you go, and what trip would you take if uh, <laughs> if you didn't have to worry about funding? I would buy or build like a forty foot warm style Polynesian catamaran, and I would sail it around the world for a long time. And <laughs> we're just talking about his retirement plan, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would, yeah, I would just go dive and just explore, man, just all all over the world. I, I sailed a, 
a good bit of the Caribbean, and that was like that. That sparked a lot of like just adventure for me. Like far more as as possible than what you think. I went out with like three other veterans that were uh, just like there's some crazy knuckleheads. One of them bought a boat, and we like convinced the college while we're on the GI Bill to write us independent study program so that we could stay on the GI Bill while we sailed the Caribbean. Yeah, we got some funding through like a British organization called uh, Reef Check, and we did reef surveys all around the Caribbean for them. And we basically sailed from island to island, like bar hopping and fixing the boat for like four <laughs> months. And, and studying uh, the reefs. And and diving in all these crazy fucking places that nobody goes yeah. So it was, it was super cool. That's and amazing. I, I'd, I'd like to just go sail the world one day, man. Like all over. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. If if I could go anywhere and uh, money was no option or was, was no problem, um, I would probably want to go to one of those like uh, igloo resorts in the Arctic Circle. Okay. Like full spa package, cool. so like I don't want to be cold anymore. I've <laughs> I've got nerve damage from from the beginning stages of frostbite thanks yeah, to the uh, Marine Corps. Uh, a hot oil massage and an igloo. Okay. Yeah, you know, like you're in one of those igloos. You're getting a hot oil massage. You're looking up and see the northern lights. Like it'd be beautiful, right? Okay, that's, that's um, pretty badass. So the the next question would be, what would you do if uh, there there wasn't the threat of repercussion, if you will? one of the most vivid uh, dreams that I've ever had in my life. I remember I was standing on a great height and I was just looking out into the horizon, looking into the ocean. And then I started falling backwards. And, you know, as, as you know, many of us who have, you know, jumped out of perfectly good planes and helicopters know, like sometimes like when you fall out, like all you see is your feet in the sky. Right. And so in the dream, all I saw was my feet, and then I saw the the top of this statue, and I just realized I had fallen off the Christ the Redeemer statue uh, in Brazil. And so immediately I had to flip over and pull my shoe because it's not like a super tall statue to to um, uh, to base jump off of. But I remember that yeah, being just one of the most vivid dreams that I've ever had. And then kind of like you know coasting down, and you know the cops were waiting for me. And then I saw somebody did that in real life. They took his ass straight to jail. And, <laughs> Uh, so if, if I, if there wasn't the threat of being arrested, I, I would definitely love to make that, that dream a reality. Uh, so I right, just uh, do it, man. Get arrested. <laughs> Dude, you know, how, uh, trust that is me. not good advice. <laughs> I've, I've landed on a highway under a parachute and the cop will pick you up and take you wherever you want to go. They're happy to talk to you. They're probably, they, if they arrest and you, it's in gonna America. Like, it's going to be one of those VIP arrests. We're like, yeah, we're, we got to arrest him. But dude, like, tell us the story. Oh man, what do you want? Some, <laughs> you want a snack? Uh, my wife will make you some food. Like you're going to be like the cool dude in the prison. You're not going to be like. No, they have laws who, like, specifically prohibiting that because of that guy. And it's like, oh, you want a snack? <laughs> How about some prison food with a side of penis? Oh, uh, well, you know. <laughs> but what about you uh mr forsyth if, if uh, there was no fear of repercussion like would you um, would you go back to the middle east and you know hike a, a, a mountain Fuck range no. <laughs> where would you go then no no repercussions yeah like you know like obviously there are some beautiful places across the world where the land is 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 monitored by some shitty governments or you know there are places that are off limits, or you need permits, or uh, whatever whatever the case is, you know. 
Like, would you want to be like that one guy from Red Bull and like dive off the ISS? And all right. So I know this one guy. His name is Inya. He stole a MiG twenty one fighter jet from Cuba, and he landed <laughs> it. He landed it in Boca Chica Air Station. They've made movies about this guy. He's fucking. He's crazy. They watch him still. Uh, <laughs> if I could, I would steal that same MiG twenty one fighter jet, and I would fly it back to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> And I would, and then I would go scuba diving there, man. Because fucking Cuba's supposed to be amazing, because they don't allow any fishing or anything there for their citizens and stuff. So their reefs are supposed to be some of the most pristine reefs in all of the Caribbean, which would be like a baseline of understanding for scientists to get an idea of what the reefs should look like in the Caribbean. But we're not allowed to fuck around with Cuba. Sometimes scientists are allowed to go over there. They're not allowed to take or touch anything. They even limit. It pictures and stuff they're allowed to take but I, I i'm interested and in i find it uh i would love to fucking go to cuba and swim around everywhere they got around there and check it out and see what the ocean would look like if people didn't fuck with it because I pop up in guantanamo bay and moon the marines on posts and swim yeah. away Somebody, <laughs> you know like <laughs> just swim away have fun on post yeah. pogue yeah Yep. Security fucking forces isn't real infantry. And you fucking boot. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But, nice uh, two ribbons, corporal. Yeah. I, w- I would love to. Uh, I think visiting Cuba would be really. And it's crazy for me because where I live, I'm, you know, about 90 miles uh, from Cuba. So it's, it's like it's not inaccessible in any way other than that I'm not allowed to go. And, and we watch, I lit, I work on the water, so I watch refugees on rafts on a regular basis come ashore, you know, passing by us. You know, I watch Border Patrol and a, a Chinook helicopter cross over me several times a day, like, looking for people. I've watched boats of, you know, hundreds of Haitians on handmade boats wash ashore in, like, million-dollar neighborhoods. And it's pretty wild. Yeah, you just have to keep an eye on on what regulations are going on because I think it was back in 2018. Um, uh, my buddy AJ and I we went down to Cuba um, under the person to person exchange visa. Now I'm and, jealous. Yeah, we got to we got to sit at Hemingway's bar, which apparently he was a, he was an absolute drunkard. He had three favorite bars. There's three places down there that claim <laughs> that that was his favorite, and I'm sure they all were. You know, not to dispute yeah, the claim. Right. Right. Uh, we got to go uh, snorkeling. Um, we didn't quite get to uh, to to bring uh, scuba equipment down, but we did get to go snorkeling. And it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, it seemed like every restaurant had a live band. It felt like Havana was alive. Um, you know, um, if, I if thought you get I was, the opportunity. I thought I was cool for saying I wanted to go to Cuba, and then Sharks <laughs> like, oh yeah, when I went to Cuba. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> you, guys, you guys got so many more cool stories on me. Let me have this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, so, Mr. Bridger, if you could go anywhere without uh, uh, without fear of, uh, of repercussion, uh, what would you want to see? So, um, I live in the mountains now, and um, uh, I've never been to Afghanistan. I've uh, had a bunch of friends who have, and I've kind of relate their experiences to me. Um, 
I think it would be awesome if the uh, Taliban could figure their shit out and make it a terrorist, uh, I mean, tourist, <coughs> excuse me, destination. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, it already I'm, is a terrorist destination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch of uh, beautiful, unclimbed, you know, first ascent routes that climbers and mountaineer mountaineers have no access to uh just yeah. because of the political situation there um i feel like they'd respect your beard too you know i might be able to blend yeah. in a little bit yeah. yeah like you just shake your beard and a rabbit falls out and they're like ah yes i can also trade yep <laughs> <laughs> is there um is there a region specific in afghanistan or would you just want to hike the whole country are we starting in the hindu kush You'd have to tell me, brother. I've never been. Tell me where to go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, hit me up with suggestions for my road trip. <laughs> <laughs> right on, then. So um, we can find you guys at veteranoutdooralliance.org. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners before we let you get back to falling and diving and, and climbing off of things? Go outside and go do some shit. Learn some new shit. Do some new shit. Ugh, don't get stagnant and lazy. I think everybody can, uh, can relate. And, um, you know, we've lost a lot of good people over the years, and it's probably no more uh, than isolation and people being stagnant. So you should keep active and keep relationships with your friends, make new friends, go out and do stuff, man. If we can help you out, that's great. If not, we can help you point you in the right direction or at least give you a high five. Whatever. Right on. Mr. Bridger? Yeah, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, getting getting stagnant is, is awful. I think we've all had our, our experiences with um, an idle mind being the devil's playground. Um, try to engage in outdoor experiences if you can. Um, start small. You don't need to go climb Mount Everest. You can just go for a walk in a garden and go from there, maybe plan a weekend camping trip and kind of ratchet it up, whatever you, whatever you want to do. It's not, this is not an extreme sport competition. This is more of a mental health, um, movement of getting veterans into the outdoors, uh, try to help us, um, connect and rebalance and try to bring some peace to our community. Do you ever find uh, that when you do these events with, with veterans that maybe they get a little over ambitious and realize maybe they have been a little bit more stagnant than they had come to realize and maybe they aren't as good at hiking as they used to be? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've we've yeah. got <laughs> both ends of the extreme. Um, people that have no business kind of engaging in these activities, they have such an overblown uh, idea of what they are capable of. They've, they've put on a few civilian pounds since they've um, been on active duty uh, and they have no business climbing a 14,000 foot mountain. Um, and there's, there's also the opposite side of that is we have people come out and they've got something to prove, it seems like, and they just want to smoke the entire hike and leave everybody else in the dust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be those guys. It's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun either way. But uh, I think it's also... I've, I've been that person that like went out with high expectations and like crushed myself. I just, when I started the PC, I just, PCT, I destroyed my feet. I carried way too much like water and weight, extra gear, stuff I didn't need, destroyed myself. And like, you kind of figure it out in a different way. It's like, 
I think we get used to that in the Marine Corps is like full water, everything yeah. you own, put it in your pack and walk, shut up. <laughs> Better to have something <laughs> and not need it than need something yeah, right. and not have it. Yep. And then after a while. Two is one, one is none. Yeah. Right. After Why do I have just... 14 laundry pins? Yeah. 12 <laughs> canteens? But uh, <laughs> it's like, after a while, like, you get smart and you realize, like, oh, water to water. If I only have to walk four miles to water, like, I need, like, a bottle of water. I don't need a bunch of stuff. You know, yeah. I can just fill up water at this next spot. And that was really nice for me on the PCT. It was just, like, learning to, like, relax. And I, I kind of quickly realized that the schedule was, like, the enemy that people that made schedules and that, and had expectations for how it should go, not knowing what was ahead of them, that they found disappointment in it. And ultimately like, that's a great lesson to learn on the trails. You can only go as far as you can go every day and you just kind of have to accept that and whether you're going to continue walking or not. And you watch a lot of people quit doing something that's awesome because they're disappointed for no reason. You know, they, they had this idea that they should do something in a certain amount of time and it doesn't really work out. And so they quit or give up or they blow all their money sitting at a hotel room, you know, trying to figure out how, what they're going to do. And it's just kind of like, it's actually really easy just to sleep in a tent stinky and get up and like walk every day and like look at mountains and trees and animals and hang out. And it was, it was just... That for me was like just a, a great experience to to realize that like life is just kind of happening at the same rate no matter how you perceive it and if you look at it in this anxious way of like you're never meeting the schedule like yeah you're never meeting the schedule but maybe it's like unobtainable so maybe you should just fair. you know dial it back a little bit and realize that you know you're just a person and you're on a path and can do what you can do and and it's awesome that you can do that should be fantastic live your life in a simple way man it's, it's, it's very helpful yeah these these long distance hikes for example i mean they are an extreme endeavor it's taking like six months out of your life to hike from you know on the pct for example from mexico to canada or on the at you're hiking from georgia to maine and um uh i hiked with uh, a bunch of other veterans and f- only four out of the 10 veterans that started finished. Um, I think it's probably similar rates uh, on the PCT for four sites trip. And it's, um, it's a lot of just people getting in their own heads and yeah, I, I, I don't know, not having um, realistic expectations. Um, uh, maybe some, maybe something is sort of trying to prove something to yourself or to others or um, but I think, I think y- if you're going to go out and do these activities, you should really just do it for yourself and not be taking other people or other people's impressions into consideration. Mm. I think, I think that's, that's the easiest way to do it. And I think that's, that's really the lesson too, is what we're talking about is like that the, the way of accomplishing something difficult, like through hiking across the country, which really isn't that difficult. If you do it, you have a different perspective when you do it is that, if you approach your life in that way of just taking things one step at a time and not overwhelming yourself about your grandiose goals or what you should have accomplished already or whatever, instead of just continuing to accomplish it, that's, that's the important thing. And that really, uh, you know, as they say, the journey is like the really important thing. And like, as, as I told you, when I finished the trail, I was disappointed 
you know, when you get to the end and you're kind of done, you either just turn around, like walk it again, or you just, <laughs> you just finish up. So like all the important stuff happens in between. So you, you have to learn to enjoy your life in that same way and make every day like, yeah, you, you have your goals for the day. If you can meet them, that's great. Exceed them. That's awesome. If you can't even meet them, it's, it is what it is, man. You got to get up the next day and just do the same thing again. Well, um, thank you guys so much for, for joining us and make sure you check out veteran Alliance outdoor veteran outdoor Alliance.org. Uh, fair winds following seas. We'll see you next time here in the smoke pit.